0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from Mindfit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing, here joined as always by Nick Sutherland from Mindfit. Nico, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm enlightened. (laughs) <laughs> um, for those that <laughs> jump on YouTube and you'll, uh, you'll get the visual joke there for our podcast listeners. I'm, I'm awesome. Thanks, Ryan. I'm excited. We, we're going international again. Shout out to our listeners in Helsinki and Finland and Iceland and everywhere else. But, um, oh, we actually were in the UK last time with James. We're in Wales. That's where James was when we interviewed him, and now we're sort of on the border of Wales and England with uh, with the wonderful Luby McNamara from, um, what would you say, Herefordshire? Her-
2: yeah, Herefordshire, yeah. Luby, Herfordshire.
0: welcome Herfordshire. to the show. Thank you. Very, very excited to talk to you today. Um, Nico, I might uh, throw over to you in a minute just to talk about how you came across Luby's work, but today we're going to be talking about Permaculture. Um, We're going to be talking about working with the rhythms of nature. A lot of people who you know have listened to the podcast the last few months have probably seen a bit of a theme come up where we are talking about getting more in touch with nature, the rhythms of nature, and that being so amazing for our mental and emotional health. And realizing that we are nature at the end of the day. We like to think that we're separate from it, but we're definitely not. But Nick, how did you uh, how did you come across Luby's work? Well,
1: and just to add to that quickly, you know, I love. Uh, the fit listeners or, or fit clients will um, recognise that I talk to clients about living within the law of nature again. And, and for, for Luby's info and insights, um, I'm a psychotherapist using Buddhist philosophy uh, and Stoic philosophy as the underpinning foundations for this work. So, you know, the the law of nature in Buddhism is that everything is impermanent and so learning to, to live... Um, instead of trying to fix everything and have it a certain way and as we, our egos and humans like it, it's 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 learning just to to let let things be um and yeah so we my partner emma shout out to emma at home um, i know she's actually going to listen to this one she doesn't listen to many others but shout out to him this one for sure shout out to em so em um was studying her permaculture design course at santosha uh, with the wonderful floor down at main ridge on the mornington peninsula uh, and came across luby's book people and permaculture which i'm holding up for those that are watching on youtube um, and Em said, hey, uh, well, Em first talked to me about the permaculture principles. And I was like, that sounds so aligned with with what I'm doing um, within, within my work. And to add on to what was happening before, David Attenborough in his latest documentary said that um, humanity has broken free. So we're, we're not... We're not in sync with nature we see ourselves as you said houses outside of nature and and that's causing so untold damage um so coming across these permaculture principles and um uh uh, i'm drawing a blank what's his name david uh one of the founders of permaculture luby david holmgren Holmgren, that's right, yes. Um, so he, he's got a fan base down here on the peninsula and, and there's lots of people sort of connecting with his work. And, yeah, it just, it just made sense when I came across it, you know, instead of monoculture and just, just potato farming. And, and yeah, you know, we watched a few amazing videos on on streaming services. I think there was one on the stand called um, The Biggest Little Farm, um and that was uh, a show about this farm in america and it took seven years to create this permaculture and it just made sense it's like chuck animals on the paddocks and get them stomping into the ground and get you know, this cross-pollination of things going on and let let nature actually work and so I, I read this and i i was just like it was just blowing my mind and i'm like i've got so many questions for this woman um i reached out and luckily she uh She made time for us, so thanks, Luby, so much for for joining us and and we're excited to, to learn from you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to connect with people globally and um, reach out into new audiences as well, and yeah, share the the joys and benefits of permaculture and cultural emergence with wider um, audience because they're so relevant and so needed um, tools at this time where we're you know in these uncertain times and probably will be quite a while actually. <laughs> I, you know, there'll be more. Uncertainty coming our way in various forms, no doubt. So, it's it's always useful to have tools that support our uh, emotional resilience. I mean,
1: and and I love that term. Control and a lot, a lot of people out there are. Oh, I like geez, that. It's a, it's a juicy word. A, a lot of people are getting triggered by by what's going on, and there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of um, outpouring of, of emotions. Uh, and a lot of people are saying, what can I do? And they're trying to use force as protests in Melbourne at the moment and so on and so forth. And and I was talking to a client the other week about David and, and the way that he's gone about permaculture. And he's controlling the controllables. He's focused and channeling, channeling his stuff into what he can do. And, and he's attracting people to that. He's not forcing it on people. And I, I just love the... The the I don't know how to describe it, but he he's not out there pushing it. He's not yelling at people to do it. There's no toxicity about it. It's just a really all right. Well, this is logical. This makes sense. I'm going to focus on this, and and it's slowly organically going to grow. Is that how you see it?
2: Yeah, I think that um, it's true that to fo- What did you was the term you use? Focus on the, the
1: control the controllables. I think control I focus control- on what he can do.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is similar to um, Stephen Covey's idea of like working within our circles of influence and I know that that has just been such a powerful tool for myself of, of just, um, you know, when my mind's wandering in, you know, all sorts of things from family dynamics into, uh, you know, the future of the planet and everything in between, you um, to actually go well what can I do in this moment and it's like well maybe I could turn my thinking into something creative and you know imaginative and use my time that way maybe I could just do something practical and clean my own bedroom rather than getting stressed about the rest of the house being in a mess and other people's responsibilities you know um so so to just really really re- rein myself in because it's um, it's so tempting isn't it for to let our, our you know our, our imagination go and to really you know t- to, to use up all our energy worrying about things um, and uh, there's a lovely phrase from a friend um, Irene who says uh, worrying is the wrong use of the imagination so worrying is the wrong use of the imagination. And that's what, you know, if I'm, you know, one of my family members is delayed coming home and I, you know, I I do what I think a lot of people do is that disaster scenarioing. And, and instead of thinking the bus is late or that, you know, there's been traffic or whatever, you know, you start thinking, okay, there's been a big car crash and, you know, and it's like you, you start imagining all these disaster scenarios of why they're half an hour late and it's like okay well actually could I use my imagination differently here could I imagine that they they really felt so much uh, well of gratitude for me that they thought do you know what I'm going to go and buy her chocolates and that's why they're delayed you know it's like (laughs) really simple tools to just kind of like engage the imagination differently
0: yeah we have to 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 use we have to really take the reins with that, don't we? Because our mind, it's kind of wired to look out for what's wrong because we have yeah. um, need to survive and we have this survival mechanism within us. And so it's always the automatic reaction is, oh, well, they've been in a car crash or, you know, my, my wife's late home, she's cheating on me, all that kind of stuff just to prepare for the worst. Then they get home and, look, you said they brought you chocolates. You're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> look, it's completely yeah. changed. Yeah. And
2: yeah. So and
0: Ryan's, back, but- Ryan's
2: back. Go on.
1: Sorry, Luby, Go on.
2: Well, just- oh, so
1: Ryan's background is is um, he, he's had he's had issues with drug and alcohol. Sorry, listeners, we have got a bit of a lag and delay. Um, so and he so he's got a lived experience with that. And my sort of lived experience, I was discharged from the army with anxiety and depression, and got to a, a place where I couldn't I literally couldn't open my door to leave my house. The agoraphobia, and. You know, I learned firsthand how powerful the mind can be and what it can conjure and create. And when it's untrained, that imagination will run off down all those rabbit holes. And so now the work that we're doing is, is basically cognitive retraining in here at MindFit. Ryan's doing similar work, but but in a different way. i um, just teaching people how to, to not let that mind get so heavily distorted. It's not jump to conclusions, go to the worst case scenario, looking at all the the situations whether it's imagined or or real through a distorted lens because as you said it's just it's so wasteful and that's that's what i love about the permaculture principles it's you know don't be wasteful you've got to really conserve energy and, and be mindful of how you're spending it
2: yeah definitely definitely and i think this you know this experience that you've both been through um is is Amplified in this time, ty- these times, aren't they? It's like m- p- many people who would never have considered themselves having an addiction problem or having agoraphobia, uh, you know, may- maybe have come been confronted with that over the last year and a half. Where actually we're being conditioned to be fearful of other people, to be fearful of going out. You know, that is the conditioning. That we've been receiving, um, and that we have to find a way to be safe and still find a way of of being out in the world. Um, and so, so there's a you know, your work is so relevant at the moment to many, many more people um, because mm-hmm. of that, because of you know the patterns of behavior that might have been really acceptable in the past like the you know someone's drinking habits where you know particularly in the youth where you were you would see their drinking habits um you know and and going out to the pubs and socializing and maybe not a big deal but put that same youth in their bedroom do it, drink it, drinking, then then it can, you know, really escalate into a problem. Um, and so, you know, it's these patterns that are, you know, I say the culture is this like complex web of seen and unseen patterns, and they've all been disrupted uh, over the last year, year and a half. And I sort of say we're in cultural quicksand, and, the, you know, one of the things that happens when you're in quicksand is you panic a bit, don't you? You're like, I've got to get to safe ground. Where is that? And you can s- hear that in the sort of the narratives of, like, when do we get back to normal, you know, I need some steady ground? And, you know, in the shifting, you know, there's been so many shifting rules and social norms and things that it, it, it has felt... Um, like this sort of unstable ground and and then these patterns that are all connected then start to shift so we're you know our, so going back to the uh example of drinking patterns that you've actually maybe not changed the dosage of doing of drinking for that youth but because the pattern where they're doing it has changed and there's this whole cultural you know the whole context of that has changed it's suddenly not feeling an appropriate pattern
1: and And something we're doing at mindfit as well is we're trying to teach people how to have an emotional response that's in proportion to what they're experiencing so you know all our feelings are chemicals to to have the right chemical and the right dose in the right environment and it's just because people Aren't cultivating a mind that is capable of staying present or calm and composed or whatever. They're just expecting themselves to be happy. And finally, I think you know, everything has a pro and a con to it. A, a big pro out of COVID for, for me and for my clients is that people are starting to understand we need to work on ourselves. If we have physical health, we, we, if we have a body, we've got physical health, and we need to work on that to keep it healthy and resilient. To illness and disease, and and if we've got a mind, we have mental health, and we also need to be very proactive and and training, conditioning, and and working with that to keep it in shape. So, it's uh, reading your book like right livelihoods. That's 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 on the eightfold path in Buddhism. I, I mean, there's there's so much Buddhism flowing through this. I was just like, wow, it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I haven't finished it yet. I got excited and I was just like, keep stopping and going back and reading it again and really sort of sitting with stuff for a while. So I'm really trying to, um, I'm really trying to, I don't want to consume it. I'm trying to really mindfully move through it. But um, what you said about the quicksand as well is, is a metaphor that we use with clients and, most a, a normal and inverted comments reaction if someone falls into quicksand is to go into fight flight is to go into panic and but that's just going to worsen the situation it's just going to deepen them in that quicksand so training people to remain calm when there's adversity and, and what we need to do that the appropriate response when you're in quicksand is to be still and just to stop and think yeah right well I've been walking along a path, I've fallen into quicksand, so I'm on a path. Other people have been out here. Chances are high that someone else is going to walk past and be able to help me out soon. Or, you know, go into that solution-oriented thinking instead of that, ah, oh, just panic and just really make things worse. So, yeah. It's, it's kind um, of like
0: your the, the lifeguard story, Nick. Um, Luby, Nick, Nick talks about when he was a... A lifeguard and you know someone is struggling and maybe drowning out in the water and then you go to rescue them and they are all over the shop. They're like trying to drag you under as well because they're in that survival mode. And um, yeah. that's where, yeah, that's where a lot of people have. <laughs> I, been. I had to punch them. Yeah, yeah I left that bit out. Where Nick had to punch him and drag him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. Know. I, I had to. I had to. I had to punch him to protect myself. To, to then not get dragged in. And then I had to wait until they drowned. And then I was in a position where I could assist them safely. Uh, that, was a, that was a very valuable wait until
0: they drowned?
2: <laughs> I, um, I really want to be rescued by you there, Nick. It sounds like... So- yeah. Hunt <laughs> <laughs> you, drown you, and then I'll save you. What? That, that oh, sounds well, like, that ins- like what our governments are doing. Yeah. <laughs> They're in, they're That's such, a, such a, a metaphor for what's happening. Like, oh, I love it.
1: They're, they're, in, they're in such, they're in such spaghetti brain. They're so distorted that they didn't really, they weren't even aware that I was a person. They just started grabbing and clinging, and I, I had to, right, in order for both of us to get out of this in one piece. I've got to, have got to bop you on the nose. Luckily, there's no social media around at that time, thankfully. But um,
0: I could have gone viral, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you and your viral. budging smugglers would go viral, viral regardless um luby oh,
1: yeah, i was i had quite the rig back then
0: well i can imagine um i'll well, have to uh, <laughs> luby a few people who are listening right now i imagine are like "Okay, i've heard the term permaculture but what the bloody hell is it um so i'd love to get your definition of you know what permaculture is but also how you found it and sort of what led you down this path that you've been on now for i think it's a couple of decades
1: and, yeah, and it has reason, actually been. I, 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 I'm interested as well, if, if, Libby, if you can also... I, I came across the, the thing in your book, Permanent Culture. And to me, that was an oxymoron because the law of nature is that everything is impermanence, but then there's this speak of permanent culture. But then I, I read deeper into it, and it wasn't permanent as, as we know it. It's more... Um, it, it is actually... The the everything's changing all the time, so it's. Uh, can you elaborate a bit more on that?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, there's So much there. So, firstly, a lot of people who might have come across permaculture or heard the word associate it with a way of gardening um you know it's like oh permaculture equals gardening maybe a you know organic gardening or um you know or even farm-based work or small holding but it's all about land and um so that was kind of a, my, one of my motivations for writing people on permaculture was to say no it's not all about land it's um it it, it can be about our inner landscape so exactly the work that you two are doing it uh, about what happens in our minds and how can we weed out those beliefs that we don't need how can we you know plant some flowers of gratitude in there how can we um you know uh build fertility in our own soil, in our own mind. So from, you know, for our imagination, for our creativity, for our surfacing our gifts and finding out what our purpose is in the world, what what can we contribute? And so um, that was my um, my journey into writing people in permaculture was saying, hey, actually, permaculture can you know the tools of permaculture the principles and design methods can really benefit anyone they can be used for how we look after ourselves how we look after each other if we look at this ethic there's three ethics of permaculture earth care people care and fair shares and the majority of our of the attention from the permaculture movement has been on earth care and it's very tangible it's very easy to say hey come and see my permaculture garden it's kind of a bit strange to say hey come and see my permaculture relationship or come and see my permaculture in a landscape (laughs) you know you can't you can tell so you know that someone might
1: it's similar with the the the, we talk about meditative practice i I teach meditation and um, and it, it's taking it off the mat and embodying it and actually incorporating it into your daily life. And so it stops being a principle as such and it just becomes a way of living, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. So that's what that was the other motivation for um, writing people in permaculture was recognizing that people that had, you know, permaculturists that had trained, it, the, it became a way of living for them, and it gave them so much more than just what they grew in the garden. It really did start to impact positively impact their own mental health, their relationships, their perspective on the world. Um, you know, all, all of that, the long term goals that people could have, for that all of that was shifting, but that wasn't being written about. And so, I really mm. wanted to write a book that um, that really sort of like elucidated on all of on all of the ways we can use permaculture in the people um, scapes, and um, and also recognizing that for a lot of people on the planet at the moment, earth care is just like once removed or twice removed, mm. three, you know, it's like it, mm. it you know, it, it. But whereas people care is here, it's present for every single one of us. Every single one of us needs to look after ourselves. And a lot of us need to look after other people as well, but everyone needs to look after themselves. So it's, it's, you know, it's here, it's present. And so um, my goal with people in permaculture was to make permaculture relevant to everyone. Um, And so that's- I think you did a great job of that. uh, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And that was so that came out in um two thousand and twelve. Um and then I, I followed that with um this this question that you've just asked me of what is permaculture that everyone um are, uh, so this was my response to that question, my second book, which was Seven Ways to Think Differently, um, which is that response of what is permaculture is ways to think differently and when when the thinking shifts then the you know what happens externally shifts um it's you know just that simple example we were using earlier from you know instead of disaster scenarioing so that by the time you're you know that's a thinking process isn't it and by the time so um you know your partner gets home you're ready for a fight, you know. You're ready for an argument because you've been getting yourself all worked up, and it's like they walk in the door, and you're like, "Where have you been? What are the... you know?" And it's like that's what manifests externally is an argument because you've been thinking about that and building that up. But you know, if you've you know, with those ways of thinking differently, if you've come from like. Like an abundance thinking, and they, you know, and you're thinking in terms of gratitude. Then, then that will be what the person, you, you know, what your partner come, you know, receives when they come through the door. A different, completely well, that's different. The, that's vibe the energy that, that
1: you'll give. Yeah, that you provide that energy. You will provide that in your communication, both verbal and nonverbal, um, and it's going to have a very different ripple effect on how the the rest of the evening pans out. Um, and I, 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 I have to say, so Emma's reading that book at the moment as well. So we're, we're both sort of reading Luby at home at the moment, which is cool. Uh, and and when I, I touched on that book, and I, I've also been in this book, and I, I've been trying to write a, a book for MindFit for a long time. And, and when I read this, I was like, oh, well, I just may as well rebrand. This as MindFit. You know, I have it over and done <laughs> with. I was like, oh, someone's already written the book, <laughs> and then I was like, no, nope, Nick, uh, I've still got to, I've still got to do do it my way and use my voice. But I love your voice, Lubin. I love the way that you you connect, um humanity to to the environment um, and and cultivates both internally and externally that connection. Um, and, and a lot of the work we're doing here is trying to remove the ego. It's trying to, to operate from a, an ego-less state um, without applying our biases and what we think and what we expect and what we want and the, all those attachments and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's just I think if people can just even connect with this, just touch on it a little bit, come into contact with it, it'll
0: make a difference for them. And Lu- Luby, yeah. how did you, how did, sorry to come back to that question, but how did you first get in contact with it?
2: With permaculture? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was doing my degree um, in, at Brighton in um, England and I, um, my degree was in human sciences, which was basically anything with the knowledge goes, so ecology, philosophy, biology, anthropology, you know, I, I could choose modules for anything that involved people, which is pretty wide. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, um, and, and then I can't, I honestly can't remember, but someone said, you know, with one of my essay titles, I can't remember what it was about, but someone said, oh, you need to know about permaculture, go and talk to this person, JP. And I I went and spoke to him, but I have to say a lot of it kind of went over my head. But then I did go, as I was saying, (laughs) the tangible gardens, I did go and see his tangible garden and got really inspired there. And then, um, you know, with the edible flowers, and he um, he had about like a dozen ponds in like various washing up, bowls and you know different sizes it was all this like patio like you know sort of about a 10 foot square patio um, with concrete but he had all these amazing containers and it was just absolutely flourishing and so that opened my eyes to it and then I went um, and did my permaculture design course which was at the same time as doing my finals of my degree And it started joining up the dots for me between all these ologies that I'd been doing, um, that it started to kind of make more sense. It it was kind of seeing those connections between them. And so it did that for me. And then it also really was the learning environment that I was in that was just so inspiring. It was just, you know, so creative, collaborative, fun, uh, engaging. Um, spontaneous not so many of those adjectives I could use for my university degree <laughs> to be honest um, <laughs> um, and, and my whole mainstream education you know well you know I was very mainstream yeah. education do this do this follow this follow this and so that was what actually was the learning environment because I wasn't really growing at that time or had a space to grow but uh, you know a little bit of spinach was kind of like the extent of it but it was the learning (laughs) environment that just made me go wow that was you know that was so much fun and then so by the end of it on the day the last day we had to share what our long-term goals and visions were without any of the limiting beliefs that come in of like, well, I'd like to, but that's never gonna happen. I couldn't do that. The world isn't set up to allow that to happen. All of those, we were just invited to just let go of all of those and just say what we would like to happen. You know, what we thought would be fun. And so I was just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun to teach permaculture? Cause that was such a great experience not with any intention at that stage of actually teaching permaculture and like this is a life path that I'm really choosing here, but just in that spirit of that was so much fun, wouldn't it be fun if I could do that? Um, but then that the universe... Like this- that seed
1: found fertile ground. That I that reckon. Just, pun, pun intended. <laughs> pun intended that, that seed just found that fertile soil and just grew and it's borne all this fruit.
2: Yeah, and then, and then it was like the world just kind of, kind of was like, oh well, if you want to teach permaculture, you could go to this meeting and then do this adult education course, and then then you've got to pray, you know, get some teaching hours if you're yeah. doing that course, and and so. It just, yeah. It just, uh, and I, and
1: unfolded not... in front of you. It just sort of unfurled before. I had the same thing when I did the, the Vipassana meditation retreat, the 10-day silent meditation. Mm-hmm. And then that was sort of the final piece of the jigsaw for me. I, I've been doing this for 10 years, but I, I rebranded about three years ago. I changed my business model and was more psychoeducational uh, instead of just being a therapist and enabling people to stay in their thinking patterns. I actually started doing cognitive retraining and, and, and that Vipassana was the was what clicked for me, and then everything has just unfolded from there. And, and now here we are talking to you across the world. And I, I found that quote from David Holmgren um, that speaks of the the permanent culture. And permanent means sustainable. So that's 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 the key. It's not permanent as in it's going to be here forever. It's more a, a softer sustainability, and and. It, it, that's not concrete it can flow and flourish and ebb and flow and yeah so yeah
2: I'd, yeah I'd love, thank you for coming back to that because um that that was one of the so perma, permaculture came from the two words of permanent agriculture meaning sustainable mm. something that will last generations and generations um and and then permanent culture came along not immediately but fairly soon after so in the mm. 70s and looking at actually you know how our agriculture is dependent on our culture it's just an expression of our culture um mm. it, and and so then that expression permanent culture came along which to be honest didn't really sit with me because as you say it is a bit of an oxymoron and you know culture mm. is ever changing so mm. where you know and it sort of suggests permanent culture suggests this place that we will reach, this one culture that mm-hmm. we can, you know, that is our destination point. And when we reach that, we're here, we're there. We're, whereas that is never going to happen. We're never going to have one culture. We're never going to reach that place. Um, well, and we, we have
1: that biodiversity, don't we? That's, that's what we're after is that biodiversity. That, exactly. that to me is, you know, is, is what sustains that culture.
2: Yeah, so we really need to have biodiversity in our culture as well. And one of the challenges on the world is in the world is kind of trying to eliminate other cultures. Whereas, um, and so then this has kind of led me into the process of my latest book, which is cultural emergence, and um, and this kind of rebranding of well, what is it we're trying to do? And it's not we're trying to create this permanent culture, but we're trying to emerge new cultures. We're trying to um, emerge. Be in a process of emergence, so that there is the actual. It, it's not just the destination; it's the process, the how we get there. And so, these practices that we can bring in to our lives, so it becomes these new habits and these new ways of being in the world. And that's uh, that's the toolkit for that's been developed over the last um five years in collaboration with um john young from the states as well so he's brought in a lot of the uh deep nature connection practices to to really embed that into our lives as well so it's been this kind of new emergent
1: shout out to john young shout out to john young in the states there and all our us listeners Um, so i I spoke before about a, a planted the seed and have found fertile ground in your mind and what we're what we're seeing especially in the stone Age is, is that and Ryan and I talk about the, the, the garden as a metaphor for the mind and how we need to tend to our own gardens as, as you've alluded to earlier as well there's so much synergy it's amazing um, and and what we're finding is there's a lot of hmm, soil that has been contaminated. People's minds have been contaminated. You try and plant these seeds of biodiversity and 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 difference is actually healthy, difference is great, difference is good, difference is a spectrum. It's not black and white. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. Um, But there's a lot of closed minds out there. Minds that have closed from fear, from anxiety. Um, So how can we how can we fertilize people's minds than plant seeds, do you think?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that's really a very interesting point, isn't it, of like, our, you know, seeing seeing our lands, uh, you know, our internal landscape as we would kind of soil and how we're, you know, that there is a lot of plowing and pesticide use going on. It's like, the, which <laughs> is, you know, that like the media is, does a lot of that mm-hmm. that conditioning and I, I, yeah i'll play with that metaphor more in, in um thinking about that because i it yeah it's um it's opened up a little new uh way of
1: seeing, <laughs>
2: yeah, seeing our internal a, land. a
1: pathway a pathway has been born
0: ladies and gentlemen
2: yeah, neuro,
0: yeah. Neuro, neuro, well, neuro, live neuro live on air, live on air, a new neural pathway has been born.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's not kind of like this, well, well, they, as, as you're saying, this new neural pathway, but in my mind, I've got this kind of like, um, you know, cloud field going on in my head. This
1: is what I was coming back to earlier is that we, we and I think a, a missing link that's really been neglected, is that we we keep expecting. Uh, people, but I think we really need to assess and evaluate people's capacities and and I don't think capacity is taken into consideration enough it's, it's great in theory, but theory doesn't have an ego, theory doesn't have a mind, a heart a spirit, a soul, a body so it's so easy in theory but the reality is that people are quite complex at times and they can overthink and and their minds have been conditioned and damaged and, and that soil has been tilled to within an inch of its life and, and I think we're talking here about going to constructive or destructive thinking. Constructive thinking is care, compassionate and empathy and understanding. So um, the cornerstone to love, uh, understanding is the cornerstone to love. So understanding people's capacity and working with them at their pace and building them up and growing instead of just expecting all these flowers and trees and everything to to nourish. I think we need to really... A bit of do a bit of pre work before we can get to that stage. I think we need to do some
2: mm-hmm. some nourishing, definitely, and I think I think we can't it's like it is that question of sort of meeting people where they're at, and it's like the equivalent of you get go, going into you know a farmer who has got those plowed fields um you know mm. and they're just up and down, and that's what they're doing, and they're just kind of on the treadmill trying to keep their heads above water in the system they're in that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. doesn't look at what they're doing as abnormal, looks at what they're doing as a good way of making a living and an essential way of making a living. And you and can't that's what just what their come dad
1: in, did and that's what their dad's dad did.
2: Right. And you can't just come in and go, well hey, well, you know, you've got to turn from this to this is like actually mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, ne- there needs to be a process, and it's like, well, maybe we could. You know, it's like, maybe you could leave the hedges, you know, or like let's plant around the edge, the the margins, so you can still. But even
1: asking get- questions to learn learn their capacities. Do do you see that yeah. this is a problem? You know, we talk about five steps to change in here, and awareness being the first step. Are you cognizant? Do you recognize that there is a problem? If they say no, and and Ryan does this when he's working he says to people is there anything i can say that will change your mind and if they say no then it's sort of like a dead end it's, it's but that's if no yeah if we're having mind.
0: a if we're having a debate or we have a different belief about something then this is this is why you know Countries and cultures and everything, you know, go to war, and whether it's personal or on a collective level. It's just because I have this belief and nothing that this other side can say to change my mind. So two people are just talking at each other or yelling at each other. Um, but, if, but if people are open to change, then all of a sudden new ideas start to grow and start to blossom and we can start to move forward as a, as a culture and as a collective. Mm. but that's
1: where you can go at their pace as well and say do do you understand that if you leave hedges in place that could actually benefit you and they may initially say no but they're going to go away and think about that and and maybe just maybe this is the seed it'll it'll crack there yeah and then you go back and revisit it and you say oh and and how are you going and we stop trying to force it open and then the, the yeah, we're going at their
0: pace instead of- Well, I have addiction addiction client. People will reach out and um, they just say, I just like to get fucked up. It's the classic. I just like to get fucked up. And I'm like, okay, well, have you thought about, look, maybe it's because it could be something to do with A, B or C. Like, no, nothing, bullshit. My childhood was perfect, blah, blah, blah. Then uh, three months later, six months later, I'll get a message. So I've been thinking about that and I might have to come and see you (laughs) because it turns out I do have A, B and C going on because now I've kind of, you made myself a little bit more aware about it and now I can see and um, you do, we have to meet people where they're at because using like the mental health analogy, like let's say someone has just realized that they've got mental health and they've got some stuff they need to work on, then we don't go, well, it's time for you to go and do a Vipassana retreat. Too much, <laughs> too much too soon. It's a baby steps, too baby much. steps. If we can meet someone a step further than, than where they are, I think that's that's the best place to be. And
2: it's uh, you know you were talking then Nick about um, nourishment as well, and that's um, well in cultural emergence. Like there's three phases of cultural emergence that we want to bring into balance. And um, you're in the wrong book, Nick. Um, (laughs) 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 Go on, keep up, Nick.
0: Come on, Nick.
2: um and there's um so there's challenge and awaken move and invigorate and nourish and empowerment and so uh, often you know we we might try and provoke change in someone through that challenge and awaken of like aren't you aware of the statistics of this aren't you uh you know uh, like your mindset's wrong your beliefs are wrong you know it just like no that's not the case and just like that that challenge and awaken or the the move the move and invigorate is when you're actually like okay i uh, you know I, I realize that there's a problem with where i am and i i kind of know a bit of where where i want to get to how can i design steps and move myself from you know a to b and then the nourish and empower is like how do i resource myself and fill up and and so and, and you know, any of these phases can be used in response to someone else as well. So often it can be more, you know, if we do the nourish and empowerment phase first, we actually provide a little bit of space and an opening for people to step into that then they might be able to sort of recognize that there is a problem or you know because uh, the nourisher, they've been you know their story has been listened to they've um, they so validated validation. they're heard valid. they're acknowledged
1: that, that they're not yeah. being judged and condemned and criticized and, and I, I think it's a really important thing to touch on there with that we create a space um, through being vulnerable or whatever, and invite people into that space instead of just trying to force them in there, or expect them to get there, or push them into there. and You should be doing this. You should be doing that. It's, it just it just creates more resistance. And Ryan talks about this a lot. Um, what's what's your expression with it? You've got a catchphrase about resistance, Ryan.
0: Do I have a catchphrase? Persistence creates thought, resistance. Just play, play a little resistance tune. I ca- Ryan's catchphrase. Um, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love I love I love you know talking to clients about resistance because everyone struggles with it from from time to time and resistance is sort of two diametrically opposed parts of of our psyche and our being that are just Pulling in opposite directions, so I want to move in this direction, but I'm also got to tug at the back of my shirt, going "Not safe, not safe to go there." Um, so yeah, that's I don't know if it's a catchphrase, but that's sort of how I view resistance. And
1: we, we, we talk, and, and in fit terminology, that's an attachment. So we're simultaneously having an aversion and a desire. I don't want this, but I do want that, and and that's happening. Uh, in the one experience, which is yeah. which is real interesting.
0: And it, it ties into what Luby said earlier because I, I just think it's so important that like when you were playing around about like what would you like to do and and try and put aside these beliefs or what you think you can do. And I think it's so important for people just to whoever's listening, just play with that and think about what you, you want to do with your life and, and just be aware because like when you say it, all of a sudden these opinions and these voices start to come in. You can't make a living out of that. You won't make enough money doing that. You should get that corporate job and you're going to ask, Who's, <laughs> whose voice is that? I guarantee you that's mum or dad or society's voice. It's not yours, but we pick up on it. And it's so curious when we watch those. And and one thing I do with clients, I do that as well. If they say something like, you know, this is what I want to do, and this is how much money I make, I want to make, and then I'll say, Well, out of 10, how safe in your body does that feel to do that? And most of the time it's like, two, not safe, not safe. And it's because we have all this conditioning and everything and this this resistance going on, which is just these thought patterns, you know. Like if so that, you if, that, you, if that, you had that's the that, that. that, that's yeah. the
1: bodyguard. That's the that's the bodyguard putting its arms around you, saying, "I'm going to keep you in your comfort zone." And as we know, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. It's, um, and, and so, so many people are walking around with a conscious goal or expectation to reach here, but a subconscious operating system that is nowhere near aligned with that. That's filled with. Now, I said, I said to a client earlier today. Imagine if we could print out your belief system just start running through all the beliefs and uh that that was mums that was dads i created that in trauma that was from when i was four years old what's that still doing in there you know so
0: what's that still doing in there
2: (laughs) 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 i'm I'm almost like oh my god the paperwork that that would generate if we all started doing that that (laughs) a
1: a factory of papers everywhere (laughs) I, I love how visual Luby is. You can yeah, see yep. Luby, it's yep. just imagination. Just. So, and, and, and we can start clearing I, out all on. It's still going
2: <laughs> <laughs> on. One of the things I really like about beliefs, though, is that if you, when you do actually get them out, it is like uprooting a plant and you kind of look at the roots there and you're like, ah. Oh. and even just sometimes by that, you know it's the same same plant but now the roots are out of the ground then they can't survive you know so sometimes it is that simple with beliefs is the the moment you name it the moment it goes from underneath and you know it's in that printout down there the moment it comes out and you can see it then you can kind of go identify it yeah and and there's so i mean there's so we're, we've got so much cultural conditioning going on that actually, I mean, and this is part of the challenge and awaken phase, this awareness of culture and this understanding that we have all this cultural conditioning. So when you were using that example of, you, you know, you're the job you might want to go into. And that is going to be culturally conditioned on, like, yes, what, you know, what is the status of that? What is the um, money you can make from that? How is it valued? And that has all come from your schooling and, you know, where the, uh, you know, and your family culture of, like, where is, you know, what is valued? Is it valued? To and, and it's all about what I'm am I learning? gaining
1: from this though. It's yeah. all about me. What am I gaining from this? It's not a, it's a very often you know, in right, um, right livelihood. It's 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 so many people are going into into careers or jobs or work. Um, and uh, to for that, from that fear, that sense of security that I need this, I, I have to have this, and then I'm okay to keep up with the Joneses or to be loved or liked or to have this perfect world. And imagine if there was just a tiny little shift where people actually went to work, and it's not about you, we're, we're all going to be okay. We can all sort of, right. we're, as Ram Dass says, we're, we're all just walking each other home. So let's, yeah. let's do it collectively.
2: And that's um, when I so where. When I did the same process of becoming a, um, when I put my long-term visions out to become a um, permaculture te- teacher, um, I did the same process um, uh, and then to write about writing a book about people care and I was just like yeah it'd be a long-term goal and vision that would be great and actually I was always thinking someone else would write the book um but you know my publisher did say doesn't matter if someone else writes the book there's m- many voices needed for this message so you know write it and mm-hmm. and um and I, I, what I dug out was, uh, you know, I did a bit of processing on my limiting beliefs. And one of the limiting beliefs I had around writing this book was me not being a perfect person. So how can I write about people care when I still have arguments with my family? <laughs> you know, when I still... What? What are you doing on this
1: podcast?
2: You're a yeah, fraud. Yeah, I'm sorry to, to. Hey, just okay. how did you me, get like, through the screening movement? process?
0: Only perfect people on here.
1: Who was it sorry, that said Brian, it?
0: I'm sorry, Nick.
2: This is yeah, not, I mean, should just, <laughs> not Should we just like uh, you know That's come. It. Can Okay, episode. Yeah, cancel, it's okay. Cancel, it's okay. Support. It's okay because I reframed. I reframed the pros that, that limited belief. <laughs> oh, okay. So my li- my reframe was I will learn more people skills. People's care skills in the process.
0: whose Whose quote was it? It's they like said. People, uh, they said. They said. Please never become perfect because you'll have no one to compare yourself to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it.
1: like and when, then, we, when, um, when we when when, when people don't want to so say I can't go into a relationship I can't, uh, until until I've lost weight or until I've got more money until I've got this. this uh, but uh, you know, so much growth it happens within a relationship. So it's the perfect place to be to you know, yeah. to, that fear and anxiety and then, keeps you out of it.
2: Yeah, and then just to follow on from your point then, it was like I will learn in the process and actually I think the world needs this before I become a perfect person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and so... I, and I had so, a funny thing, Libby, when, like- when I start
1: off as a practitioner, When I started off as a practitioner, I was working from home and had this bookcase on the wall and it was empty and I had this limiting belief. I I can't start seeing clients until I filled that bookshelf with books and I've read every one of them. And my mentor went, oh, good, you're going to start seeing clients when you're 90. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So. I I am going to write my book. I I, I have a limiting belief about writing my own book that I don't know how to structure it. I I don't have time. I've got all these I don'ts. But I really need to start casting off some of those limiting beliefs. So. Pull them up.
2: Yeah, that was that. That was a you know process of like actually pulling them up, mm. naming them. Oh, I, I you know like okay now I've named that I'm got limiting belief that I'm not a perfect person. Actually, I can reframe that and I can find find a way. And and actually seeing it as this gift into the world mm. is mm. really valuable so you know Nick when you sort of look at your story and that you sharing your story is a gift into the world mm-hmm. it's kind of like um that thought of then hey if I had you know like these you know amazing box of um you know toys or something I don't want to wait till mm-hmm. that the, you know Destined for this child, I don't want to keep them under the table and wait till this child is thirty before I give. Mm. <laughs> you know, get. I want to. I want to get it out. Hand it out. Yeah, that. it's like they're they're gifts. You know, they're they're gifts for sharing. And so- I'm just
0: imagining my two-year-old like holding onto the toys, and then when he's thirty, he's like, "What the fuck are you
2: doing?" <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did you? Why did you not give me this? This would have gifts, been great but- twenty-five years ago. <laughs> Right, right, and you know, and your book probably would have been good, you know, ten years ago as well, and and it will be better coming out sooner rather than in twenty. Cop this, Nick.
0: Cop this. You hear
1: this? No, no, no. I am, I, but I'm cognizant of all of this, and I'm already doing it. So thank you, friends, for, for helping me be accountable. But I, I found I found another limiting belief that. It's not going to be the perfect book. It wasn't about me being the perfect person. I was like, but I'm always learning. I'm I'm always going to add to it. So I have to wait until I've I've, I've stopped learning, and then I'll put it out there. And then I laughed, and I was like, but that's what. Revisions are for that's what version two, version three, version four is all about. The next and like, book. Oh
2: God. you know, why do you think I keep on writing books? It's because it's like, oh <laughs> you know oh look, you know, there's always more books, you know. My my publisher's yeah. always saying Maddie is always saying to me, you don't need to put everything you know in this one book, you can write another one it.
1: So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it'll, it'll be it'll be this big and no one can actually read it. Yeah, yeah
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> so it will actually right. be useless yeah so um and you know i so the design web which is this design process that i um created while i was um I, yep you're in the right book now page 42 i think it is um
1: <laughs> knows this stuff wow I'm
2: nothing wrong, though. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's inputs
1: and outputs inputs
2: oh and no outputs. i'm wrong <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> you're not perfect you are not perfect. Oh, I don't know, know my perfect.
2: book well enough. 36 then maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's somewhere around there. You'll find it and tell it correctly. But um, anyway, what the am design I web. What looking
1: for again? Sorry?
2: The design web.
1: The design web. Um, right. you keep talking, I'll find it.
2: It's in the first 50 pages somewhere. <laughs> um, and, there it is,
1: 45.
2: Oh, so close. <laughs> There we go. That is yeah, the design yeah. web. Tell us about that, Luby. And we'll maybe put a link to the website where people can absolutely. Buy, um, my oh. um, and um, I use that design web as my like uh, to design the process of writing my book. So that was what I was going to suggest to you, Nick, to l- look at that process. There you go, Nico. Design Thank of, of, so of writing a book a and a to seeing, look so- at i'm
1: seeing seven clients a day at the moment so where where do you where where do you draw the line between how do you create time to to spend on this what's your process
2: um so i have a a folder yeah yeah of course so what i um so my fir- the first um, principle that I used when I after I'd committed to writing it, so what I re- realised, because I've just about to start a new creative project and I was reflecting on, like, hey, I've done creative projects, this one's slightly different, but ha- what's the process? And I realised that there's a pattern for me of going from the idea of it would be nice to do it to a commitment, I'm going to do it. Mm. And... Um, and so when I went through that commitment process with people and permaculture, then the first principle I used was catch and store energy. And so it was like, mm-hmm. we're all this, you know, like you probably after this conversation here, you've got little threads mm-hmm. going on, you know, little bubbles of energy mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Get a bit of paper and catch it, you know, catch those th- things. And so what I would do um, w- would be, uh, I, ha- I have a folder where each um, you know, each page I would do like a mind map of a particular thing. So there might be one that says right livelihoods, one which might be a different permaculture principle, one which might say listening. And then and so, you know, all the different parts of the book. And then I would sit down after, you know, like at the end of the day or when I'm waiting for a bus or you know at random times and just have five minutes to kind of go oh what what have I you know what do I think about listening what do I think about this and do that or or if I've had an interesting discussion like this I might just make notes but it was all about catch and store don't leave it in here because it's never going to turn into a book if it's in here or it's never going to turn into a book that anyone can read anyone else can read um <laughs> so um and so, it'll go
1: to seed and it'll, 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 it'll go to flower yeah
2: yeah and and so it was all about getting it out in small doses but regular just regularly kind of go what do I think about this and then when I'd give you know when I'd have um a big period of time like I'd so I'd either go away myself for a couple of days or um, yeah, my partner would go away with the kids and I'd I'd do nothing but write and I'd get out all those mind maps. So then suddenly I come to write about listening and I've got a page full of random notes and words about listening that then I just need to mm-hmm. turn into sentences. But it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's, so I haven't got that blank page like, oh, what do I say? It, so i would do that combination of, you know just catching and storing regularly you know between your clients you know maybe schedule a slightly longer gap between your client you know just even 10 minutes longer between your clients and just have 10 minutes you know writing um and then to so you use the principles
1: yourself and you you apply all the principles to your life and the things that you're achieving in your life. So we'll just quickly, how much time we got left, right?
0: I got Cause I had a question. We're already up to an hour. And I was, I'm loving this conversation, Luby, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm having a great time. I hope everyone else listening is as well, but I had a question. It might be where you're about to go here, Nick. Cause um, it's what, what I was thinking was um, I love that you wrote a book about permaculture. That's called seven ways to think differently. It's like, because a lot of people, like you said, are like, well, that's got to do with gardening. What the hell are you talking about? But I, I, would, lo- I would love to know how permaculture principles affect other areas of life. And, and, and I'm talking people's main hang-ups are in relationship or with money. So maybe pick one of those. And I would love to know how permaculture principles give us a better relationship with our partner or a better relationship with money.
2: Um, I'll go for the relationship ones. Um, on. uh, um, t- it's again about that. Well, I mean, just listening would be the, the one of the key, um, it, like the practices from cultural emergence. Listening, I think, would be the key one to just listen. Um, but then also um, the awareness of culture to come in, to, into an understanding that while you might be living in the same house you are have got you are have got two very different personal cultures and that those have been generated through all your experiences thus far your your education and your own family upbringing and media and all sorts of um, different influences and so you you have got two different cultural parameters. So different parameters on how um you know what's the acceptable tidiness of your house and what isn't. <laughs> and so just really you know like coming that's
0: touched, that's touched on something there. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. You
2: know,
1: like <laughs> coming we, we we Emma and I talk about the, the different natures. So we use spirit animal and so I'm a turtle and Emma's a butterfly. Shout out to Emma again. Hi honey. And uh and so we talk about how how does a, a a turtle and a butterfly need to communicate and listening is part of communication so uh, and respecting each other's natures instead of trying to me trying to say to her stop flying so much and stop being all over the shop it's actually appreciating her nature and i just love that you exist i love your nature i love your yeah. culture i love I love that, that difference and and it, it takes getting the ego out of the way and, and making it about the other person instead of about you.
2: Right, and so then in terms of, that like in terms of your decision making process that um you know I know for me and my partner we have very different decision making processes and um you know once he's made a decision it's you know it's very committed and rooted and you know but he'll Mm. take a bit longer to get there whereas I'll be like yeah I could do that and then tomorrow I'll be like but actually I could do this and I could you know and I've got (laughs) you know more creative but it also means I'm a bit harder to pin down because I'm, you know, I'll, I'll constantly think of a new way of doing it, a new idea, and it's like, but we just agreed this. And it's like, yeah. so be <laughs> you could, aware It could,
1: could, tur- could be a turtle and a butterfly dynamic
2: going on there, Luby. Yeah, I do, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you,
0: using using that dynamic, it, it's really interesting because it's like, we, let's say it's the turtle and the butterfly... And it's like we appreciated the butterfly and we fell in love with the butterfly and then we got together. But when we get in a serious relationship, now it's like now I want you to be a turtle so we can both be on the same level. It's like, no, that's not the person you fell in love with.
2: Yeah, right, right. And so just recognising uh, the the differences and, uh, you know, embracing diversity and allowing for it and talking about it as well so you can be open about it and, it's that again, that thing of, bringing the unseen into the scene so that we have an opportunity to enter into dialogue with it and to either compromise or accept or change something but that we can do that we can be conscious around that so there might be times where it's like yeah I know I'm really messy but I'm trying to change it or actually you know I, I, I feel this minimalistic like you know house is just too I, I can't cope with it I need more uh, things man. But you, you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> you know
2: you can be you can actually express your needs then as well so and and express your needs and express your cultural conditioning so you can say yeah, I don't know why that makes me feel so uncomfortable. That it does, you know. i would like oh, an unswept floor just drives me up the wall. I don't know why, you know. And then you can kind of trace it back, and then and then you can say to the other person, well, it, hey, do you think we could sweep the floor every day, or do or can I make it, you know? Maybe because well, you it's get got- a chance
1: to I to, 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 to unpack, um, my- you can reassess how important is it to me. You know, in the <laughs> past, it but may have been really important to him. And there may have been a time in my life where it was quite important to keep a, a, a clean floor and It was appropriate. But now there's kids, there's cats, there's dogs. And, and so the standard of cleanliness, I need to modify, I need to change it. I need to adapt and, and overcome. There's a quote I, I love using with clients, Lumi, and I'd like to share it with you. And it's from Thomas Merton. And he says that the beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves that we find in them. Mm. So we're always looking for ourselves in other people, looking for that similarity. Uh, and if we can recognize that that's our tendency to do that and switch out of that and to go, no, I'm just, you know, I'm a turtle, and as a butterfly, she can bring me out of my shell, and I can I can help ground her at times if, if, you know, if necessary. So we can actually complement each other when we look at it through that lens, instead of well, I would like you to be more like me, and it would it would be. And both, you you grow,
0: people. you grow when you have that attitude. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we could go all day, Ryan. We could go I know. Day. There's, there's only we've only got like a chapter through one book. There's there's so much more to go through. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have, to, gonna have to get
0: Luby on again, I think. Nurturing
1: Relationships, I just opened it up to that page. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> on point.
1: Yeah. That's
0: all there. Oh, Luby, this has been just yeah, such a great conversation. Like I said before, I've just enjoyed this so much. Um, where, where can people get in touch with your work? Where's the best place for them to do that?
2: Yeah so I have um a website cultural-emergence.com and um that's uh, yeah there's other videos and other podcasts on there um we haven't yet started our own cultural emergence podcast but I'm enjoying visiting other people's like yourself. <laughs> so um I love talking to people so it's and the emergence that happens through these conversations so um yeah come on there I do I do online courses I've got one coming up um, a seed course which is uh, about um, the design web so creating your own design so your own design for writing your book for example nick or <laughs> tidying your house or <laughs> um, book, uh, book
1: so, me a spot book is both
2: a spot, a spot. <laughs> yeah so that's um so yeah so lots of ways to engage and if people sign up actually if people sign up for the newsletter as well then they get access to a free ebook of seven ways to think differently so that's good Entry point for people as well. Fantastic, about-
0: and, and the books of
2: people.
0: Think, Sorry, go. Ahead.
2: Yeah, I just um there. I know that there are some cultural emergence, a whole pallet load of cultural emergence books somewhere between the UK and Australia at the moment. So they'll they'll land, and people in oh, yeah. permaculture is already in Australia. <laughs> so
0: fantastic, yeah. fantastic. People- we'll- Thank you so much for you can coming get on. I
2: um, signed copies of my book as well from that website as well. So, Ooh. oh,
0: wonderful! Ooh. Nico, I, thanks, I, can,
1: I can't recommend people in permaculture enough. It's, it's, as I said, I'm 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 mindfully digesting it, um, and, and yeah, it's just it's 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 very stimulating in in, in so many healthy ways. It's producing a lot of. Um, wonderful chemicals and, and thoughts and neurological pathways. And there's all this synapses firing and it's just, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to, to keep moving through it. So thank you for, for sharing the fruits of your labor with the world. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Thank you for sharing your passion and and, and um, everything that you're contributing to, to society, the world could do with a million more lubies, I think. So thank you. <laughs>
2: Well, that was my aim, that people would um, read my book and be inspired to be themselves sharing all of that.
1: Mission accomplished.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Nick and Ryan, for the conversation. It's been lots of fun and uh, inspirational.
0: Let's do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.